Praise the Lord, everyone. Wow. Wow, God is good, isn't he? Man, I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, I, I certainly did. And uh, everybody always eats too much. That's nothing that you ask. Did you, did you have enough to eat? But aren't you thankful that we, that we have been blessed by the Lord to be able to take time? And we have a holiday that we celebrate it by overindulgence. Don't you love that? Uh, man, I, I want to speak to you this morning about a, a topic that I think is vital to all of us. I think it's, it's something that, that all of us will face, and it's something that all of us can use. And I don't know where you are. I don't know what promises that God has made to you. I know the promises that God has made to each and every one of us in the Word of God. But I do know this, that it doesn't matter what promise it is, whether it's salvation or, or trusting that the Lord is going to be a provider or a deliverer or a healer or, or the victor. I do know this, that every promise that you look at and say, this is for me, the adversary is going to try to come up and to steal it from you. And I want to encourage you today I want to speak to you this morning on, on a topic, don't quit. Would you stand with me as we read the Word of God? And you say, but you don't normally have it on the, on the screen, and, and I'm going old school on you today. So uh, we're going to be reading out of Philippians chapter 4. I love the passage in, in Philippians. Here's, here's a church that was founded by... Uh, by Paul and, and Silas, and they were thrown in, in jail. It started in a jailhouse. It was the original jailhouse rock. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it, and it's amazing. We think of a jailhouse, but when you go to ancient Philippi and you look and you see the old jail cells, it wasn't really much. And, and if you look closely at one of the jail cells that you're in there, it had ancient uh, Greek writing. It took me a minute to figure out what it said, but after transcribing it, it said, Paul was here. <laughs> Not really. It wasn't a whole lot, but, but God can do amazing things. Can you imagine if, if Paul would have quit and given up while he was in prison? We wouldn't have the the book of, of Philippians. There wouldn't be a church in Philippi. But he didn't quit. He kept on going. Here's what Paul says to the church in, in Philippi in Philippians 4. We're going to begin with verse 4. He said, Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord sometimes. Rejoice in the Lord when everything's going well. Rejoice in the Lord when you feel like it. What that tells me, this is a command, this is an exclamation, this is to each and every one of us. Paul is saying, I don't care what you're facing, I don't care what you're going through, I don't care what is buffeting you, I don't care what opportunities you have in, in front of you, I don't care what obstacles you have in front of you, rejoice in the Lord always. And then he puts an exclamation point on it and says, 
I will say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice. He said, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Then he goes on and says something really powerful. He says, do not be anxious about anything. How many have ever been anxious about anything? Okay, we're going to go with honesty. How many is anxious about something in their life right now? Oh. And he says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The only thing that can, that can challenge anxiety, the cares of this life, is the peace of God. And you can't buy it at Publix. You can't go to Walgreens and says, I'll take this tube of toothpaste and I'll have some peace of God. You can't buy it. You don't have enough money. Money cannot buy the peace of God. The only thing that puts the peace of God in your heart is a supernatural encounter with the living God. And that comes through prayer. Would you pray with me? Father, we ask today that you would bless us, that you would anoint, that you would speak to our hearts and to our minds, that you would allow us to walk out of here full of victory and hope and faith. Lord, we ask today that you are the God that redeems, you are the God that sets free, you are the God of salvation, you are the God of hope, and today may you fill our hearts with hope. We love you, we praise you, and we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated if you would. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says this, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. Don't you love that? It doesn't matter. Whatever promise God has made, they're all fulfilled in Christ. There's nothing that Christ cannot fulfill if the Word of God says it, I believe it. What, what is that? God said it, I believe it, and that settles it, yes. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. So when we think about the promise of God, there's a couple of contingencies that that no matter what God has said, he says, I'm going to fulfill everything through Christ, that salvation is going to come through Christ, and deliverance is going to come through Christ, and hope is going to come through Christ, and eternal life is going to come through Christ. Every promise I've made is going to come through Christ. It's going to come through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's through him, but the amen so be it, let it be, I agree with it, comes through us. It's not 
just that, Christ, that God is establishing everything through Christ. There's a part that we play that we have to look at it and say yes and amen. I believe it. I trust in it. I'm putting my hope in these promises because if God said he would do it, then he will do it. And if God said he will deliver, then God will deliver. And if God will bring hope, then he is going to bring hope. Because whatever God has said, it's going to be fulfilled in Christ. And my responsibility is to believe it and stand and proclaim the word of God. What promises of God are you holding on to today? What promises are you holding on to? What has God spoken to you through his word, through prayer, that, that you are trusting in? Are you, are you trusting in that your family is going to be brought to him? Are you holding on to that promise? Are you trusting that your, that your friends are, are going to come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Are you trusting in him to deliver you from a financial situation? Are you trusting in him for healing? Are you trusting in him for blessing? What are you trusting in the Lord for today? As a church, we're trusting in the Lord. We're trusting in the Lord not, not just to build a church, but to build a church that is built upon the rock, Christ Jesus. We are trusting in him that he will turn Orlando upside down for him. That he will do the amazing among us. What is God? And what promises of God are you holding on to? There's, a, there's something good about this. God always keeps his promises. Don't you love that? Isaiah 55, 11 says, So is my word that goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty. God's word will not return void. It will not return empty. If God said something, it's going to happen. In the beginning, when God said, let there be light, there was light. When God speaks, things happen. God just doesn't talk. God is not... Uh, the type of person that's an extrovert that talks his way through situations. Now, if you hang around me, I, I'm, I'm kind of an extrovert. When I'm processing, I, I throw out 15, 20 different scenarios because I'm trying to figure out which one's the best. My wife is an introvert. She thinks the very first thing I said is in stone. You can see where that goes. God is not an extrovert. He doesn't process externally. When God says it, it's going to happen. And if God has spoken to you, if God has said that if you will trust in me, come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's not just words. It's the promises of God made evident through Christ that if you put your cares upon him he will care for you he will carry the load for you there is no other place no other no other situation no other person no other entity that you can go to in this life that that will carry the burdens of life for you and give you a peace in your heart and in your mind god will keep 
his, pro his promises. His word will not return void, but it will always achieve what he has sent it forth to do. But there is a place that I want to talk about. And I was, a, I was a, in church last Sunday. I wasn't able to be here. Uh, so, so we were uh, with my, my in-laws, with my family there. And, and uh, one of the, the pastor was preaching. And he said something in passing that caught my attention. And, and it really, it just, I, did, I don't remember any of the rest of the sermon because I was just focusing on that. You ever do that? Hopefully you don't do that with me. Actually, if the Lord speaks to you about one thing, dwell on that one thing because that's what you're needing. But he talked about between the promises of God and the possession of the promises is a battlefield. Between the promise that God has given you and possessing that promise, there is a battlefield, and I want to add there is a battlefield of the mind. And it's the adversary's job to try to discourage you, try to discredit you, try to discredit God, try to take the word of God and make you doubt that what God has promised is really for you. See, David was anointed king when he was young. But David went through a lot of circumstances before he actually became king. Israel was given the promised land and then marched for 40 years in the wilderness before they actually had the opportunity to possess the promised land. Joseph received a dream when he was young, but then Joseph had to be betrayed by his brothers and, and become a servant in Potiphar's house and then become a, a prisoner and then finally rose to the position and possessed the promises of God. And I want to let you know today that if God has promised something in your life, just because it's not here today doesn't mean it will never arrive. There is a moment in time between what God promises and the possession of that promise that you have to experience. And it's the adversary that's going to try to come in and try to feed you to the lions as he did Daniel, or try to throw you in the fire like he did the, the Hebrew children. But I have news for you, and I have news for the devil, that if God has promised you something good, if God has promised you uh, that he would give you eternal life, if God has promised you that he would set you free, there is nothing in this world that will stop that promise of God. The devil is going to try, but the lions will not eat you. Don't go out to the zoo and try it. The fire will not burn you because God's word never returns void. God's word is sure and amen. God's word is true and faithful. God's word is, is always 
God, God will honor his word above all things. God's word is sure and steadfast. It is the only solid foundation that we can place our hope and trust in. The question is, how do we possess those promises? How do we walk through that battlefield of the mind where the adversary tries to taunt us and tries to torment us? I think some of the, some of the questions or some of the answers can be found in, in, in David's life. When David had been anointed king and, and Saul didn't want God's will to be accomplished, he wanted his own kingdom to be established. So, so David found himself fighting against the people that he was going to be leading. That's, that's a strange situation, isn't it? And this is not in the notes, so this is free. Are you ready? Hope you're listening. If you have something against your brother or sister in Christ, you're fighting against the people you're supposed to be loving and leading. Because our battle is not with God's people. That's free. You can use it for whatever you want. So here's David. David, David is, is fighting with the Philistines and he's going to go fight. But God intervenes, and God intervenes and doesn't allow him to go. And, and when he gets back to where his family is and where his, his men's families are, they have all been taken captive. They're gone. And this is in 2 Kings. And, and David, David is at the lowest of lows. He's in that battlefield of, of the promise of God versus the possession of the promise. And he's there in the middle, and, and he's... The Bible says that he is, he is full of anxiety, he's full of depression, he doesn't know what to do. And then he asks the priest, he says, is there an ephod, which is a, a garment of praise? And, and, the, and, the, and the priest said, yes, there's one here, and he says, bring it to me. And the Bible says something incredible, that David encouraged himself in the Lord. I want you to think about that for a moment. David has lost everything. It looks like the promises of God are beyond his reach and will be forever beyond his reach. But David decided to do something drastic. David did something amazing. David went to the source of the promise and began to praise him and began to worship him. And uh, something amazing began to happen. David was encouraged in the Lord. If you're struggling today, if you're struggling to know where the, where the money's going to come from, from the next, for the next bill, if you're struggling to know well, what you're going to do with that wayward child, if you're struggling today with your future or with your, with your friends or with your family or with your job or with your career, can I encourage you to do something? Get beyond everything else Make yourself a place in a, in a closet of prayer and encourage yourself in the Lord. There is nothing like being able to get to that place in prayer where it's just you and God. And there are some things in life, there are some circumstances in life 
that, that the, the latest and greatest self-help book will not accomplish the task. And, and no amount of reading, whether it's the Word of God or, or whatever it is, it will not accomplish the task. Somewhere, there are some things in life that you have to lay aside everything else and you have to get to that place that's just you and God and you become serious about the situation. You become serious about what God has promised and you wrestle with him until you are encouraged. And when you are encouraged, that's when the peace of God will flood your heart. Speaking to someone this morning... Maybe I'm speaking to me, and you can just listen in. We possess those promises by realizing that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. No matter what we're facing, it's not the people, it's the spirit behind the people. Can I say that again? It's not people. It's the spirit behind people. We love everybody. but we don't like the, the spirit of, that the adversary is using behind that person. So we possess these promises by wrestling not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, by going to prayer. Philippians 4, 6 says, don't be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. Don't be overly concerned about, don't be worried about anything at all. Remember in, in 2 Kings chapter 6, Elisha uh, has a servant and, and he goes out and he looks around and the adversary had come because they were tired of Elisha knowing what they were going to be doing and telling the king of Israel and, and they were always getting away. So he decided to bring all of his, all of his men and all of his chariots and, and the, the prophet's servant went out and saw that they were surrounded by the enemy. And it was just him and Elisha. Would that bring anxiety to you? And the prophet comes out and he says, Lord, open his eyes. And when he opened his eyes, his spiritual eyes, he saw chariots of fire and angels encompassed about them. Between the enemy and them was a wall of protection from God. What are you facing today? May God open our eyes to see that he that is for us is greater than he that is against us. If God be for you, who can be against you? The Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run into it and are safe. There is nothing that we face that the Lord doesn't have knowledge of. And he encamps about those that put their hope and trust in him. God is faithful. Don't be anxious. We have a heavenly host that is, that is 
here for us. God has given us the church, people, that we can pray for one another. God, open our spiritual eyes to see what it really means to be a brother or sister in the, in the body of Christ, that we can pray for one another, we can encourage one another, we can lift up one another, we can bless one another. And let's see what God is doing. But anxiety blocks the things of God. It stops us from hearing what God really wants to say. That, that we are His and that nothing can pull us from His hand. See, prayer, Paul said, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, everything. I love that word, everything. I mean, everything. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. In everything, by prayer. prayer. Prayer in this context, Paul is saying prayer is asking for God's blessing. Do you need God to bless you? Every blessing comes from God. Seek God first. Paul, uh, Jesus in, on, the, on the mount in, in Matthew 6. He, he describes all of the things of, that anxiety bring about anxiety about what we're going to eat or what we're going to wear or where we're going to live, about our finance, about our future. And Jesus summarizes all of these anxieties that all of us have as humanity. All of us worry about what's going to happen tomorrow or where we go, what we're going to wear or where we're going to live or how we're going to provide for ourselves and our family. And Jesus summarizes it in this in Matthew 6, 33. He says, seek First, the kingdom of God. And all of these things will be added to you. Added to you. What Jesus is saying, if you seek him first, everything you need will be given. If you seek God first, but wait a minute, I, I want to seek God, but I want to have what I need. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say God's going to give you everything you need, then you seek him. He said, seek him first. Seek him when you don't have it. And then when you give it, when he gives it, you'll know it came from him. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seeking is, is simply just asking God for God's blessing. Do you need a blessing in your life? It's communication with God. Asking God to bless in certain areas of your life. Said by, by prayer and petition. Petition is prayers that implore God's aid. Are you going through something that you know that you can't fix on your own? Is life pulling you down? It's, it's, it's asking, petitioning is asking, it's begging God against the ills of this life that you are facing. It's God, I have a need. In Luke 18, Jesus gives us the story of a, of a widow and an unjust judge. And, and the widow would come to him every single day and say, avenge me of my adversaries, avenge me of my adversaries, because she had a need. And, and, the, and Jesus said the judge didn't care for God, nor he did he regard man. He didn't regard anybody but himself. But the lady bugged him every single day. Have you ever had somebody bug you every single day? Have you ever had an adult treat you like they were two? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? 
Jesus is saying, I want you to listen to what the unjust judge says. Because the lady was persistent. She was a pest. She was a pain. She tormented this judge's life. And he said, I'm going to grant her her request, not because I think she's right, because I don't care if she's right. I just want her out of my life. And Jesus said, listen to what the judge says. And how much more will your heavenly Father give to those who ask him? How many times is enough? How many times do you have to ask? You ask, what is it? Pray until something happens? You ask, and you ask again, and you ask again, and you ask again, and you ask again, because God's timing is not our timing. And you keep on asking, and you keep on praying, and you keep on being persistent, and when God moves, on your behalf, it will be greater than you could ever imagine. So don't stop. Don't quit. Don't quit. So your prayers, praying for the blessings of God, and your petitions, praying, praying that God would, would grant you the needs that you have in life. How many times is enough? There's always that you pray until it happens. But Paul doesn't stop there. He doesn't say, with your prayers and petitions, he adds this little byproduct on here, an attitude adjuster. Don't you hate that? He said, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Now we had to go and blow it. Because now I have to be thankful when I'm walking through difficult times. Do I have to be thankful for the times that I face? No. But when I'm asking for blessings from God, I need to be thankful that he is the God that answers and that knows how to give good gifts to his children. And when I go to him, I'm not going to him as a, as a deity that hates me, as a deity that despises people, as a deity that is reluctant to bless. I'm going to him and saying, God, I'm so thankful for what you have blessed. And I'm bringing these requests to you. And when I'm walking through difficult times, I'm going to be thankful as well. Because I know he hears and answers prayer. And I am not belittling or making light of any situations that you may be facing today. I am saying this, that the answer is found in Christ alone. That every promise of God is made complete in him and it's our responsibility to say, yes, amen, I believe it, I'm trusting in him, and we're going to pray, and we're going to petition, 
with thanksgiving and we're going to see God do amazing things. Whether it happens today, tomorrow, or the next day does not matter. Because David had to go through a journey to get from his promise to his possession. And Joseph had to go through a journey to get from his promise to his possession. And the children of Israel had to go through a journey to get from the promise to the possession. And you and I are no different. We have to go through that battlefield of the mind. And the only way to endure and walk through it is to trust in him and to hold on to that nail-scarred hand and say, though the world be against me, if God be for me. What are you facing today? I'm going to ask our praise team to come back. Can't trust in God or believe in Him with a heart that doesn't believe in God. It's the adversary's job, and he's good at it. It's the adversary's job to get you to doubt God. It's his job. That's what he does. Is to, to get those times when you feel the presence of God, when you feel God moving in your life, he gets you to doubt and say, God doesn't really care for you. God doesn't really, that promise is not for you, it's for everybody else, but not you. It's our responsibility to say all the promises of God are in Christ and I'm standing on the promises of God. Whether I need a blessing or whether I need to bring a petition before the Lord, whether I need God to bless my life or whether I need God to deliver something in my life, I am going to pray and I'm going to petition with thanksgiving because God is a God that loves and cares and has given exceedingly precious promises to us. Amen. And I will not back down from those promises. Would you stand with me today? We're going we're gonna to partake in communion in just a moment. But before we do, I want to remind us what communion is about. Jesus told us, Paul echoed it in his writings, that as often as we do this, we do it in remembrance of, of Christ, what he did for us. Do you realize that Christ, the promise of Christ, is found in Genesis? that immediately after Adam and Eve fell and sinned and transgressed, that God gave a promise that the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent and the serpent would bruise the heel. He gave a promise. And that promise of life restored, that restoration is found in Christ. But it's not just the promise of eternal life that's found in Christ. It's all the promises of God are fulfilled 
in him. I want you to do yourself a favor today. If you would, just close your eyes just for a moment. I want you to ask yourself, God, what blessing or what petition do I need you to work in my life? And as we approach the table of the Lord and we remember his sacrifice of his body and the shedding of his blood to give us eternal life, that it's not just the eternal life, but it's all of the promises of God that, as David said, I was once young and now I'm old and yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things will be added to you. I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what blessing you need. I don't know what situation in your life that needs God's touch. But I do know this that the promises of God are sure and steadfast and he has never allowed his word to come back void. So as we partake in communion this morning, I want you to come not only saying, God, I'm thankful for your, your sacrifice on the cross, But I'm trusting in you with thanksgiving that you're going to be my healer, my deliverer, my provider, my sanctifier for all the promises of God are